0: Hey everyone, welcome back to the MM Hockey Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Alex Metzger, along with me is my co host, Chase McCallum. Uh, we took a week off um, last week with no podcast because uh, I was pretty busy with work and just had a bunch of stuff right after as well. So I didn't really have time to record. Um, so we will be recording two podcasts this week. One will be coming out this week and one next week uh, because Chase is actually gone next week as well uh, as we finish our summer holidays here. So Um, we're going to get to some of the news that happened as of Monday, August 22nd at 9 50 PM is when we're recording this right now. Um, so we'll, we'll get to the news that has happened up to that point, but anything that happens after that, we will probably cover in September when we, honestly, the next show we do might be a season preview. We might have one in between there, but kind of crazy to think that that's already the, the time of year we're getting to, um, but uh, yeah, today we're going to keep going with our top 20 lists after some signings. Uh, if you missed the top 20 centers or wingers, we posted those in kind of back-to-back days about a week and a half ago. So please go check those out. Those were a lot of fun to make the, those lists, and this was a lot uh, fun too. So um, we're, we're going to do the top 20 defensemen today, but we have a couple uh, couple signings we want to talk to and a trade. Um, two teams really that uh, made some moves this week, and we'll start with a smaller one of the two, uh, and that's the New York Islanders finally announced some signings. No no free no free agents. Uh, there's still a zero free agent sign this, this summer, but they did sign all their RFAs. Noah Dobson gets three years, $4 million per for 12 total. Alexander Romanov gets three years, 2.5 per for 7.5 total. And Kiefer Bellow gets one year, 1. 1.2 per, uh, obviously 1.2 total. Um, 22, 22, and 24 are their respective ages. A bunch of bridge deals for a team that had to bridge deal them because they spent a lot of their cap space on older guys. Hey, AJs?
1: Yeah, it turns out all of the contract that all of the smart people on Twitter were calling stupid for multiple years were stupid. Yep, it's funny how that works. Like forcing, it is funny how that works. Um, for what it's worth, I guess most of the bridge deals are probably good, but it sucks that you have to bridge all these guys, especially Dobson.
0: Dobson is <clears throat> the one big one because honestly, like I just – this team might be slightly better than they were last year, but I, I don't even know. We, like, we'll get to them in the season preview in a couple of weeks, of course. But like, they had like nine twenty goaltending and still sucked last year.
1: Yeah, to be that bad, they're like Sorokin had nine twenty five, and yeah, that, that shouldn't be possible with a competent
0: group of skaters. And like Varlamov was like a nine fifteen, I thought as well, like nine thirty. Like it's not like they. I didn't think they had absolute trash goaltending when Sorokin wasn't on the ice either.
1: Yeah, both of those goalies were better than the Leafs goalies.
0: Yeah, like, so, yeah, 9-11 for uh, Simon Valamov, which, like, is fine. Like, probably league average, right, on the dot for save percentage.
1: Yep. Yeah, but, which is a backup is fantastic.
0: Yeah, so, like, I keep saying this team's probably going to be better, but I, I really don't think they will be. So, you know, Dobson's the one, like, I really feel like this team's in a full-on rebuild in the next couple of years, whether they want to admit it or not. So. Yeah. To me, honestly, like having Kiefer Bell, I mean, they'll probably re-sign him again next year or try and figure out what to do with him. But like no, or uh, not no Dobson, uh, Alexander Romanov coming up at 25 years old, you're probably like, that might be a guy you look to trade in three years. Yeah, honestly. Sounds crazy considering they just gave up like the 16th overall pick for him, but.
1: (laughs) Yeah, you might have to
0: yeah so uh i don't like all these contracts literally blue yeah man i the dobson one's obviously the most noteworthy four million is you know they they, i think they will absolutely get value out of that but again it's yeah like how much value is that going to add to a team that looks like they might be like the 25th best team in the league yeah i don't
1: know because the Dobson was in the perfect spot. I know his counting stats did jump, but he seemed like the kind of guy you might be able to get into one of those amazing, like eight or seven year deals, but nope, they had a bridge. Good...
0: Yeah. Um,
1: his, like they... his numbers aren't there yet, but he's 22 and shown huge flashes. So seems like a good bet to get
0: there. Yeah, exactly. And like, even like defensively, he's a guy who had 9.6 goals above replacement this past year. Like that's, that's really good. You yeah, know, for a 21-year-old.
1: That's worth $4 million already. Easy. Yeah, I
0: mean, exactly. So, yeah, I, I definitely agree where it's like that's the guy you should be trying to see if you can sign him to 7 or – and maybe he didn't want to anyways. Like, they still have 3.4 projected cap space, and they don't have anyone to re-sign. So, you know, maybe they could have tried to get him up there, and he just didn't want to. But that definitely feels like the type of guy where it's like, man, if you could have gotten him up to, like – seven mil for seven years that probably would have been a fair enough bet to at least try and make
1: yeah commit to it I mean you've you've done way stupider you might as well you're going to need to get surplus value somewhere and it seemed like a good place to do it
0: yeah so um yeah the other two I don't really have much opinion on like I think Kiefer Bellows at 1.2 is fine I don't think he's going to blow past that or anything like that and then uh Romanov at 2.5 like it's fair enough I think you know I, I don't know if he's much more than like a third a number four, number five kind of guy, but 2.5 for a number four is fine (laughs) value. Like the (laughs)
1: Roman up one's hilarious (laughs) because you just gave up the 13th overall pick for a guy and you signed him to $2.5 million and everybody's like, yeah, that makes sense.
0: Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's fair, I guess. (laughs) And
1: you think if you're giving up that much space for him, 2.5 would be a highway robbery, but
0: yeah. you know exactly um the obviously massive news is calgary flames make another big splash this week uh they announce, well it breaks that they are about to sign uh nazim kadri and everyone kind of goes oh i wonder how that cap space is going to work well it turns out when you flip sean monahan and all of his contract with a billion conditions onto it you make the room for nazim kadri um calgary now has the last two trades of the offseason two of I mean not I, the one was the Matt one of the bigger trades we ever like we've seen in recent memory. This was another like pretty big trade considering the cap space to freed up to sign a a big free agent but they sent Sean Monahan to Montreal his entire 6.375 million dollar contract and with it goes a 2025 first round pick that is conditional. Have you seen the conditions on this pick?
1: I opened it up on Twitter. Said, screw that. Scrolled down because I knew the first comment was gonna be the, I ain't reading that. Uh, I'm happy for you or sad for you, whatever. Gave that a like and then never thought about it again.
0: <laughs> Try and keep up to this conditions. One, if Calgary's 2024 first round pick is between picks 20 and 32, Montreal can take that pick instead. Simple enough, right? If 2024 is a high pick, Montreal's the option. Yep. Scenario. In the event Calgary receives Florida's 2025 first round pick, if both, and then so that's from the um Huberto trade, obviously. Which yeah. the conditions on that is if 2025 first round pick that Florida sends to Calgary is a lottery pick, uh, Calgary gets Florida's 2026 round pick instead. Um, so yeah, yep, exactly. So there's already condition on the condition. Um, so if they if Calgary does get Florida's 2025 first round pick. If both Calgary and Florida's pick are not in the top 10, Montreal will receive the better of the Calgary and Florida 2025 first. So if they're, say, 11, if Calgary's pick is 15th and Florida's is 19th, Montreal will get the Calgary 15th overall pick. Makes sense, right? If Calgary's pick is the top 10 and Florida's pick is not top 10, Montreal receives Florida's pick. In the event Calgary does not receive Florida's first-round pick, sub-scenario, Calgary's pick is not top 10. Montreal will Calgary's pick. And two, if Florida's pick is not top 10, is a better pick than Calgary's and was transferred to the team due to prior conditions, Montreal will also receive Calgary's 2025 fourth-round pick. So if Florida's pick is not top 10, and but Calgary decides to trade that pick, and it ends up becoming better than Calgary's pick. Calgary also owes a fourth-round pick on top. Subscenario two. Calgary's pick is top ten. If Calgary's pick is first overall, Montreal receives Calgary's 2025 third-round pick and the better of Calgary and Florida's 2026 first-round pick. If Calgary's pick is second to ten, Montreal receives Calgary's first-round pick. So, basically, they can get Calgary's 2024 first, 2025 first, or 2026 first, or Florida's 2025 first, or 2026 first. Only one of them. They're not getting multiple of those picks. But there are a few cases where if they get one of them, they may also get a third or a fourth-round pick on top. This has got to be the most conditions I've seen on a trade since we started doing this. That's for sure. It's funny because,
1: like players like Mark stone and Eric Carlson have been traded and the conditions aren't that complex. And yet the Sean Monahan <laughs> contract brings out the most, uh, the contract dump brings out the most conditions I have ever seen on a trade
0: ever. Yeah. And, and it's just because there's so many tied in conditions already. Cause you remember too, the Florida pick wasn't sure like, because they've had, they've traded away four mm-hmm. picks in a row. So sure. um, yeah, it's just absolutely insane. Uh, so, Monaghan goes to the, the Habs. Obviously, I, I like this from Montreal's perspective. Uh, me and you were yeah, ta- kind of talking, great. and their their offseason has been a little confusing, but when you get a first-round pick for simply eating $6 million for one season, for a guy who, let's be honest, isn't that bad. He's overpaid, but he's probably still a third-line forward.
1: If you can get those goal totals up on your power play and you retain half, I bet you you could still get a pick for him at the deadline.
0: Absolutely, and it's probably like a not-bad pick either. Mm-hmm. The joys so, of being a sixth
1: overall pick who used to be good, uh, yeah. even if it's all fake production, you'll still probably get something for
0: them. Exactly. So I love this from uh, Montreal's perspective. They get another first from Calgary. It, it's rich, but they kind of felt like they had to do it, and they turn around and and, and sign codger to a seven by seven. And you know, at this point, after you signed Huberto and Uyghur, they're so committed to this core. I honestly, fine, sure, go for it. Like you, you got a cup window right now, and maybe next year as well when lucic's contract's off the book. But you know, in three, four, five years, four, five years for sure, this cap sheet's going to start looking ugly. You may as well, I guess, just go all in for the next three years. And Coder is the biggest name available.
1: Yep. You're yeah, exactly. I couldn't agree more. They're already all in. So who cares? This is definitely a negative expected value signing, but it fits their window that they've I think they clearly believe in the team in this window. There's a lot of moving parts into that, which is a little sketchy. Ideally, you'd have some continuity going into your window, but hey, they should still be the best team in the Pacific Division.
0: Yeah, them in Vegas.
1: Yeah, Just Edmonton's events. actually favored to win it on DraftKings, I'm pretty sure, which is wild to me because I think I would take either Calgary or Vegas.
0: I do remember when the signing happened, there was a bunch of people that were like, hey, Calgary's like plus 900 to win the division. like Or no, plus 900 maybe to win the conference and like plus 1,600 at the cup. It's like, yeah, those aren't bad odds for this year.
1: Yeah, they're still a very good team.
0: I've got to say, I'm, I'm not sure this is the smartest thing long-term, but I absolutely respect the hell out of just going, like going one way or the other. This is so yeah. much better to me than they could have just like re-signed Huberto, traded Uyghur, and not signed Kadri and just been the 18th best team for the next four years. I would much rather they're at least still top seven, top eight for two or three years. And then maybe their bottom eight for a couple of years, then, you know, halfway in, halfway out for the next decade.
1: A hundred percent commit, especially because their farm system isn't good. So if you try to go half in and half out, you probably aren't getting support. I know people like Connor Zari and guys like that. Um, if you're a Flames fan, every team has a Connor Zari who can put up half a point in the AHL.
0: Yeah, the- you're not getting more
1: help the- than anybody else.
0: The only yeah. way you can rank their farm system as, like, elite is if you think you somehow know better than everyone else about projecting goalies, and you think Dustin Wolf is a future star.
1: Yeah, if he which, is uh, Sorokin, sure.
0: Yeah, which, like, he's put up great numbers. Like, he's had a 924 in 47 AHL games this past year and a 929 in 13 playoff games. But, like, goaltending is just so hard to predict that you, just, you can't just assume that's going to transfer over by any means. Exactly. So um yeah no i like i i respect the move again like i the the thing with the problem with the conjury contract was always going to be he just peaked at 31 he's not even going to repeat what he did last year you just have to hope he kind of can throw it back to his 28 year old season in toronto which with you know wingers like huberto mangiapani like he might be able to for a couple years in terms of like like the production will probably be there even if the underlying numbers aren't as strong
1: yeah, I think that's a good way of looking at it because he's fantastic on the power play and they're going to have to replace a lot of lost power play production from last year. And between him and Huberto, I think they've done that well.
0: Yeah, and honestly, 7 million AAV is a little lower than I thought he might get originally too. Yeah, this. Is... Like, yeah, it was less bad than I expected. <laughs> yeah, like, it's right around the area where I think you'd expect for a guy, but just like with the, all the playoff hype he had and... How everyone's talked about how criminally underpaid he's been for six years or whatever now, like I just kind of saw like maybe there'd be a market where some team throws eight and a half at him or something like that. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, so, I agree. When we were talking about how we thought this contract was going to be a litmus test for who's uh, who doesn't understand what they're doing, I was thinking eight by eight point five or like seven by eight point five. It would have to be kind of thing.
0: Yeah, I I totally agree. So um yeah no a I, I good uh, good signing I think on both sides like I. I understand it from both ways. I mean, good for Kadri. He got paid seven by seven. He gets to come back to, to Canada. It, it is funny for uh, Leafs. I mean, not funny for Leafs fans, but funny for everyone else that he nixed the trade originally that would have sent him to Calgary and Brody back, which obviously would have looked a lot better for uh, him or for Dubis. sorry for Toronto. Yeah. Um, and, but it worked out perfectly for him because he thought he was st- the reason he nixed it by all me or by all accounts was he thought, nixing that trade would keep him in Toronto because he didn't think anyone else would be able to take him. And Cal, obviously Colorado swooped in and I'd say that worked out pretty well for Colorado and Cadre. Um, But yeah, it's kind of obviously for non for non Leafs fans, it's a kind of funny thing that he ends up in Calgary anyways. And Brody ends up in Toronto anyways, which is even funnier. Um, but yeah, funny, just kind of 360 there.
1: Yeah. That's why I didn't think he was going to end up there, but yeah, yeah, I guess I was wrong.
0: Um, the only other piece of news I want to talk about uh, quickly before we get into this list, because I know the list a little long Montreal. Uh, obviously some people might be wondering there's $6 million over the cap right now with picking up Monaghan, you know, how's that going to work? They have a ton of forwards. I wouldn't be surprised if they try and move a forward out. Like they have like 13 guys plus prospects that I still think. And like, they need to re-sign Kirby Doc. Um, it sounds like Carey Price isn't going to play this year, unfortunately. Um, it's too bad. Yeah. His 10.5 will probably go on LTIR. Uh, he just, it, you know, the, their GM came out and basically said, uh, um, you know, Ken Hughes came out and said, I doesn't look good. You know, we're not sure we're going to get him back. They, they said definitely for this long start of the year, but probably not all year. So, um, you know, the very well, I don't know. I, I didn't think he was going to come back last year at all. And he still battled back. So I'm not going to say the end of a career, but possibly the end of a career. And, you know, we'll, we'll get to that bridge. I think across that bridge when we come there, but definitely something I want to point out because that is a big piece of news for a team that definitely is still trying to tank and I wouldn't be surprised if they trade Jake Allen and just try and go the whole Samuel Montembeau and Caden Primo way where it's like, Oh, turns out our goalies suck. Whoopsie. It's probably the smart thing to do. Yeah. Cause I don't think this, I we'll leave this mostly. I don't think this roster is going to be near as bad as they looked last year. It'll just depend what their goaltending looks like.
1: Yeah. And like, yeah, they could be in the perfect tanks
0: scenario. Yeah. Like their, their roster is not good, but like their forwards are fine. Yeah. Like there's got to be a worse forward group in the NHL than what they're going to ice this year.
1: They just have like their forward group reminds me of like the Leafs decor from years past where they had a bunch of just like number fives.
0: Yeah. They do have just like a ton of like second or third line wingers or like, like wingers.
1: It, it feels like they could ice five or six third lines.
0: Yeah. That's kind of what Ottawa felt like like two years ago as well in that first Brady year. Like right yeah. when the kids were starting, it's like, oh yeah, they have like three good third lines and that's about it or oh, the year, yeah. but yeah. Yeah. Brady's for the second year. Sorry. But, um, all right. I think that's probably enough. Uh, we'll get to them in the preview. Let's get to our list. Shall we?
1: Hell yeah.
0: All right. Um, so I can go through the last year's list. I listened to the podcast earlier, uh, this week and, and went through the list that we had last year. I can say mine looks a lot different. The names near the top, I think are still very uh, similar, especially in the top three, top four, top five, uh, top four anyways. Um, but that being said, you know, the, definitely the depth of the list. And there's a couple of names that I had on last year where didn't make my list this year. You know um, I, I found it really, I always find the defenseman one really hard because we can't ev- like, I, I can evaluate good wingers because I know like skilled wingers who put up a lot of points. I can also see when they're not liable defensively. I know that what that looks like. It's hard to watch for good defense, right? Because good defense is stuff not happening.
1: Yeah. It's way harder. Like to appreciate Obviously, you can tell he's good defensively, but to weigh how good Chris Tanev is against, like, Morgan Riley is so difficult.
0: Yeah, and, like, the other thing, like, for this list, two names that I'm going to have very close is, like, Dougie Hamilton versus uh, Oliver Shillington, where Hamilton has had six years in a row of really, really, really good results, and Shillington's had the one year of, like, he was elite last year, really good. But it was just one year. So it's like, how do you balance that? Because we do know that defensive statistics are noisy enough where it's like, but we've also seen a lot of defensemen when they take that step back and never really regain it. You know, like Eric Carlson and, you know, Duncan Keith are two prime examples of that, I would say, where it's like as soon as they took that step back from being elite, they really never recovered from it, even if they were, you know, the 25th best defenseman for a year or two and the media didn't want to acknowledge that. So yeah,
1: it can be it can be sketchy. But then on the other side, like Dowdy, Doughty, Dowdy's back to being at least mm-hmm. good. Yeah. Yep. It's tough to know.
0: Yep, exactly. So um let's get into the list. I'll, I'll read off our list from last year. Um I'll start from the bottom up, I guess. Uh so I had a bunch of honorable mentions. I had Uyghur, Klingberg, Morgan Riley, Adam Pellick, uh, Miro Heiskin, Thomas Shabbat, Worenski, and Brodeen as my honorable mentions. Um, the biggest one in there, I think, is Uyghur in terms of I just had no idea what to do with him because he had half a season of like Norris level play and then nothing else from that. Um, My list from there went Petrie, Ekblad, Gerard Muzzin, John Carlson, Jacob Slavin, uh, Devon Taves, Mark Giordano at 13, Chichern at 12, Yossi at 11, Theodore at 10, and then Pulak, Petrangelo, Spurgeon, Ryan Ellis at 6, Dougie Hamilton at 5, Adam Fox at 4, Charlie McAvoy at 3, Kale McCarr at 2, and Victor Hedman at 1. You had... Petrie, Morgan Riley, and Jacob Slavin, as your three honorable mentions. Chichern at I 20. I think I left
1: Slavin off.
0: Yeah, I know. Uh, Chichern at 20. Chavada at 19. Wierenski at 18. Wieger at 17. John Carlson at 18. Or 16, sorry. Uh, Eckholm, Giordano, Yossi, Pelix, Spurgeon. At 10, you had Latang. 9, you had Muzzin. 8, you had Taves. 7, Petrangelo. 6, Theodore. 5, Hamilton. 4, Hedman. 3, Fox. 2, Makar. And 1, McAvoy. So neither of us had Makar first this year um let's get in the list this year then all right um yeah so i, had a couple I think we're ideas. gonna have
1: a lot more differences here by the way
0: i think we will yes i yeah. so i had a bunch of honorable mentions um a couple guys that just kind of missed my list that they're, they're really good players um you know so for me i had an obvious top three uh top four even really to be honest i had four guys where i feel like there's an obvious top four tier a guy who's pretty clearly fifth but you know Maybe you can make an argument, could jump up to there. And then six to like 13 are all kind of jumbled. And then honestly, 14 through like 32, you can make an argument for. I had about 40 names down on this list where I started. I um, was 36, actually, I think I'm counting right now. And, you know, you could make an argument for a bunch of the guys on here and I wouldn't really um, be mad, you know, where I'd be like, yeah, okay. Like I wouldn't have him there, but I like definitely understand the argument.
1: Yeah, I agree. I have after number fifteen uh, the same tier on every single player.
0: 34. Yeah. So I just kind of sorry. I had uh, thirty-seven guys uh, on my original list, and you know, a lot of them there. Like there was guys where I wanted to put on, I just couldn't. So um, my first couple honorable mentions are three really good players that I just kind of left off um, because they just they just missed. Like I think they're like 21, 23 ish, and. That's Jonas Brodeen, TJ Brody, and Chris Latang. Okay.
1: So I, I have Brodine on right on the honorable mentions as well, and I have Letang very low on the list.
0: Okay. So I figured you'd be higher on Latang. You have been in the past years as well. You had him yeah. at 10 on your list. I didn't have him on my list last year, mostly due to injuries. Um, this year, you know, I kind of – we can get to him when we have him. Uh, we'll talk to him when you're on your list. Uh, and then TJ Brody's another guy where I wouldn't have really thought I'd have him even close to this list when I started, but – his uh, goals above replacement numbers have just been like really, really strong over the past couple of years um, to the point where he ranked like much higher on some of these lists than I thought he would be.
1: Yeah, it's a good pick. Um, I actually didn't even really think about him, but his numbers are still good. He's fantastic defensively. Uh, Still, you know, good enough offensively and everything. He's definitely, if you wanted to say, yeah, he was 20 or 25 or whatever. He's definitely in that range of like a, not a good one, but he is probably a one if we have to assume there's 30 of them in the league.
0: Yeah, exactly. Like, I, you know, he's kind of just on that cusp of the 20 somewhere where it's like, you probably don't want him as your number one defenseman, but when you have like four guys or three guys that are right around his tier, it's probably okay.
1: Yeah. I have Riley just missing. It's good because have, you have Riley and Brody, right?
0: I have uh, Riley at 20 on my list. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, I had him just on.
1: He's my 21. So,
0: yeah. yeah. Yeah, so, um, and then the other honorable mentions, there's a couple guys I really want on this list, but I left them off simply because we either haven't seen enough out of them, or they had, so there's three guys that had really good years this year, two of them, it's their first good year, and that was Mortis Cider and Rasmus Anderson.
1: Yeah. I left both of them off, but Cider will probably be decently high
0: up this list next year. Yeah. If Cider repeats what he did this year, I think he'll like shoot up to like 10 area, to be honest. Like he was really good this year. But yeah. it's been one year and I just think a lot of these guys have just had more showing than him. And same with Rasmus Anderson. He had a great year this year, but all of Calgary was great. And I want to see him do it again. Yeah. Uh, and then Drew Doughty fits in that tier as well for me, where he had a good year, but he's had three Bad years in a row, so I want to see him do it again before I say, yeah, he's comfortably a top 20
1: again. I agree with that one. I left Dowdy off too, but I could see I could see it.
0: And then another guy that I have just wanted an honorable mention. He had a really bad year this year, but uh, he was on our, he was your first honorable mention last year in my twentieth, and that's Jeff Petrie. i he didn't have a good year this year, but I also feel bad just completely bumping him off the list. I'm willing to give him one more shot in terms of I think he still could be hanging around here, but also, it wouldn't shock me if he's just nowhere near this list next year.
1: Yeah, that's fair. I didn't really think about him. I, if he was younger, I probably would have been more willing to forgive him. But at his age, I was like, eh.
0: yeah, fair like On the side of um, here. All right. Did you have any more honorable mentions other than Riley Brody?
1: I had a couple others that I think you might have on the list. One you might even have high. Uh, I'd Shabbat. I think he will rise up or has the potential to rise up these lists as the forwards get better, uh, at least in like a fantasy style rankings. So I bet you he's going to benefit from that new power play they're going to have. Yeah. Uh, then I have Jacob Chikrin, Noah Hannafin, and then Shillington.
0: And so Hannafin was another guy. I have him closer to like 28 on my list personally. He was, yeah. you know, he was definitely around the kind of final cuts, <laughs> but yeah, I had him in that 28 to 32 range but I think that's a, a fair um, place for him.
1: Yeah, yeah. he was one of like five Flames defensemen who had a career year, so I'm not ready yet to just be like slam dunk top 20.
0: Yeah, and then, sorry, you said Anderson is your last guy? Uh, Killington. Killington, sorry. Yeah. Uh, perfect. I have Killington on my list. I also have Shabat on my list, so we can get okay. to them later. Um, Chitran, I left off as well. I, yeah. I was pretty high <clears> on him last year. I had him all the way up at 12. He didn't really follow that up. And like even last year, I was pretty high on his shooting and just like hoping that he could repeat. I th- I still think he's like a num like a top 32 guy, but again, I kind of had him in that Hannafin range this year. And part of me, I go back and forth. Cause that team was so shit last year that like part of me kind of goes, well, yeah. what was he supposed to do? You know, but also like, I don't know. See, cause, like I always go back to like, well, I've seen like Eric Carlson be elite on shit teams, but like Eric Carlson is arguably a top five defenseman <laughs> of all time in his peak. Right. Like, yeah. P. Garrett so, Carlson's
1: still the best defenseman I've ever seen. I know McCarr yeah. is great, but uh,
0: McCarr had a little bit more help, I would I think. It's yeah, exactly. Right. So like, so it's not really fair for me to judge that. Right. Because like we've even seen again, like Drew Doughty was amazing during his peak, but you know, he sucked when his team sucked. And now that his team's getting better again, he's looking better again. So I don't know how fair it is to Chicharron, but yeah, I, I left him off my list as well uh, this year. So, um, all right, let's get into 20 then. Mine's Morgan Riley. Uh, you and him at twenty one. I, I think that's a good place for him. Um, and I have a guy that's very similar to him as well, and John Carlson at nineteen.
1: Okay, I have John Carlson sixteen.
0: Okay, yep. Yeah. Um, they were just very similar players in terms of Carlson definitely produces a little more, um, which I think is fair. Um, I, I I never know how to balance him either because, like we we always talk about how bad Ovechkin's defensive prowess is, but we still have him like twenty on our wingers list because of how damn good he is at scoring goals. And I just, I always struggle. I feel like, especially one of the things listening back to this podcast last year for both of them is it kind of felt like we took away from both of them for being on the power play. It's like, okay, well, like someone's got to be driving the bus here, right? Like they're both good.
1: Yeah. And I I have Carlson over Riley because Carlson can actually threaten that slap shot on the power play. And that is so helpful.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like he's definitely a much bigger weapon than Riley is on the power play.
1: Yeah, like Riley, I think, is underrated by Leaf's fans. All of his power play metrics have been insane his entire life because he's such a good puck mover, I assume. Uh, but just be Carlson's also a great puck mover, and being able to threaten like a top five shot by a defenseman is so helpful.
0: Yeah. Carlson this year, his isolated defensive impacts were also better than anything Morgan Riley's had at any point in his career. Ever.
1: Yeah, Carlson's not near his defensive numbers weren't nearly as bad as I expected when we started looking into this.
0: No, like they haven't been good for the past couple of years, but this year he was like a positive impact defender.
1: Yeah. So, yeah. And they're, they're average over like three years, they, like the past 4,000 minutes.
0: Yeah. They're not like super negative or anything like that. They're just like about as negative. As you probably expect for a guy who creates a ton of offense. Yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: So, so um, yeah, I had him at 19 just because you know, I think there's still guys who probably play a better all round game than him and this that being said like this year still was a very big one off for how good he was defensively he's never been a po- he hasn't been a positive defensive player in 6 7 seasons or 6 seasons before this one according to uh, hockey biz and this season he was so if he can do that again this year or next year and keep the point totals up again i think he could shoot up this list at you know an older age than we see guys shoot up the list at, like 15 16 but for now yeah i had him down there and i had i just thought it was right to group him and riley together i think they were like one goal above replacement difference on the past two years. Um, so it just kind of felt right to pair them together.
1: Yeah, that sounds about right. I also have Latang in that same tier, by the way, somebody you had your, on your honorable mentions. They're very yeah. similar players.
0: Yeah, exactly. Like Latang put up a ton of points this year. His underlying numbers weren't quite as sexy or anything like that, but, you know, still very, very good.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, All right. So you have Carlson 16. Uh, who did you have 20?
1: At 20, I have the complete opposite of every name we've talked about so far, basically, with Chris Tanev.
0: Oh, I have way higher up on this list.
1: Okay, I respect that. I like Tanev a lot.
0: I'm ready to, I, like, I didn't really think I was going to have this take heading into it, but I'm ready to call him the best defensive defenseman in the league right now.
1: Oh, I have that on my sheet. I have the best pure shutdown defender in the league but no offense. The yeah, no opposite even, of Morgan Riley is literally written on my sheet.
0: And that's why I kind of struggle where to place him because like, yeah, like, so I, for like, I really have leaned into his defense. I have him up at seven.
1: I respect that. I think, Yeah, he, he's fantastic. And I think he's an underrated, the huge part of Calgary's resurgence.
0: Yeah. And, you know, this, I don't know if this is fair, but like, I do think there is something to being because it's so hard. Like it's so much easier for we've seen guys be good at offense and not defense. Like it feels like even for defensemen, it's a lot easier to be good at offense, not defense, right?
1: Yeah.
0: To have a guy that you know is going to be just amazing defensively, you can work around that even if he doesn't bring anything offensively. Yep. At least that. At least I feel like you can, yeah. and like I and think the flames have shown that.
1: Yeah, and he's actually got, like, not horrible offensive play-driving numbers. He's just never going to be, like, a point machine.
0: Yeah, exactly. Like, and yeah, and, like, he's that he's the fifth most important player in the offensive zone, but he's so good defensively that, like, I just don't know if it matters.
1: Yeah, that's fair. He is, he's ninth in uh, expected war in the past two seasons, so that'd be closer to your ranking
0: than mine. He's fifth among all defensemen in goals above replacement in the past two re- re- seasons as well.
1: Yeah, that yeah. sounds about right. Part of me punished him for age.
0: Yeah, well, and that's what the, I punished him last year for that exact same thing. Yeah. Um, last year, I don't even know if I had him on my list, to be honest.
1: Yeah, because he was he's old and he's already looked cooked. And then he goes to a team where every defenseman looks good and he's magically good again, which, yeah. for what it's worth, he is the best of the Calgary defensemen.
0: Yes, but, I would. I would say so as well. But yeah, like neither of us had him on his on our list last year. And because yeah, I remember he would cook talking for like three full years. Yeah, like he didn't look great. Like there was, I mean, he's always been like fine defensively, but he was so negatively offensively in 2016, 17 to 2019 that it was like, what does this dude really provide?
1: Yeah, because that was and, that 2016, 17 was the year everybody's like, who wanted to try to sound smart was like the Leafs should trade for Tanef, and it was like this probably isn't worth it, guys. <laughs>
0: Yeah. And then he's turned around the past two years, like, because even 2019 20, he was like a, a, like a below average defender in his own end by isolated impact. But then last year, he turns that around to a negative 22.5% expected goals against, which obviously is not all him. But considering the big blob is in front of the net, that is a large part of him.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. It's a defensive team and he is their best player or yeah, best ex- defensive player.
0: Exactly. And then, you know, last year, he posts, uh, um, negative eight percent expected goals against as well like which is just you know for a deep quote-unquote decrease that is still an amazing season and again the big blob is coming from the right side of the ice which is exactly where he plays you know like i'd have more of a time believing or like not giving him credit if the big blue isolated zone is on the left and it's like well okay that's probably his partner more than him right but it's literally right where he is playing the entire time no shots come from
1: yeah and he's there's extra kind of like symmetry points in Calgary because they've got a lot of younger, more puck-moving offensively-tilted defensemen, and I mean, I couldn't think of a better partner.
0: Yeah, no, I I completely agree. Um, so, yeah, no, I had them way higher on my list. That's mm-hmm. funny, but I mean, I think that's you know that's how hard it is to evaluate defensemen that and. Yeah. Like, again, Tanov is definitely a guy where, because he's so old, like I didn't dock him for his age because we've seen it twice in a row now. But if you told me next year he kind of dropped off again, I'd be like, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm not really surprised, you know?
1: Yeah, that's what I started to look. Honestly, I have a distinct top nine, even probably 10. And then after that, it gets pretty noisy. So I was just like, uh, I'll just bet on age here. And for what it's worth, I have him behind Wierenski at 19. I would like that one back. I would I would much rather have Tanner than Lorensky today.
0: Yeah, I don't know if this is a hot take. I left Lorensky off my list. He, yeah, he's
1: a weird one for me.
0: I know I so he was on my 37 and he again he got to like he was probably in that like 30 range, like right at like 26 to 30 is kind of where I I chopped them off in terms of like people I, I got rid of. And like I just don't know how to evaluate because he's another where his team sucks. Like he's doing the heavy list lifting for his team and he's doing a fine job, but like he's had a couple years now in a row where it's like, he just hasn't been as good, you know, like he had the one or two years where it's like, Oh no, he's carrying the Seth Jones pair and didn't really get the credit for it. And then like this year, like he was still really, really good offensively, but he wasn't great defensively. Um, last year he was good offensively, good defensively. So like, I don't know, maybe I punished him too heavily for not being as good defensively this year. He's one that I just find really hard to evaluate. He's weird. He, and even his offensive
1: numbers aren't as good as I thought, but, like, he's 17th in expected goals above replacement over the past uh, three years among defenders. Every time I make a model, it tends to really like him, and I actually can't figure out why. But, like, he just seems to show up really well and stuff, even though his, like, RAPM chart doesn't look great. So I just, I'll say he's 20 instead of 10 but. Yeah. yeah. I don't know but, why he shows up so well when he seems to.
0: Yeah, I know. And like, it's it's weird too. And like, the one thing I really found with defensemen is it depends on what model you look at. It values like really Heavily. different. Oh, yeah. Like, like Evolving Hockey versus Hockey Viz is crazy on some of these. Like, yep. hoc, Hockey Viz, you know, like a 9.1% isolated impact offensively plus 2.5 defensively. That's a good season, you know? Like, yep. really good season. Yep. Evolving Hockey had him with 2.6 goals above replacement this year, half a win which is horrible. That's bad. That's really bad. Like not like it's really bad for a dude making eight and a half million or whatever. Yeah. You know, like you would expect 2.6 goals above replacement from like your fourth defenseman.
1: Yeah. You would be disappointed if Timothy Lilligren puts that up next year.
0: Yeah. Like so disappointed
1: if Lilligren does
0: that. Like, yeah. So it, it, it definitely, he's a weird one where i like, I feel like if this team and I think playing with Goudreau more and passing to Goudreau might help. And probably will help his point totals, too. So, like, yeah, he's another one where I could see just on, like, being the classic guy where he's 15 to 25 basically every year on this list for, like, the next half decade. Yeah,
1: and he's kind of young, too, so it's easier to imagine him being great than even a guy like Riley who's kind of similar, but a mm-hmm. decent amount older.
0: Yeah, or, like, even, like, like protein or, or Brody. Like, I would expect Lorensky yeah. to be above them on my list next year if I had to take a guess, but. Yeah, there's more upside there. Um, all right. And number 18, I had a guy where he kind of felt low, but like some, like one model really likes him and one model doesn't. That's Miro Heiskanen.
1: Okay. So we're very different on Heiskanen.
0: Okay. I, I I feel like, like, I, I I feel like this is low, but so he's really good defensively. He's another guy who's like really, really strong defensively and, and, and came into his impact this year for sure. Um, I think, you know, and the other reason I think, you know, it, it kind of feels too low is because I go, well, Dallas has to be good somehow. And we've already done their forwards and know they have not very much for forwards. They have three good forwards. And that's <laughs> they have three of it. them. But yeah. like, and then I was looking and like, Evolving Hockey has Miro Heiskin at 8.7 goals above replacement over the past couple of years. And that's because they don't have him driving any offense at five on five. Yeah. Or the power play.
1: He is, the puck has not gone in the net for him. His like, Corsi and XG numbers are way better than his uh
0: goals yeah and numbers. And so like that's probably not his fault. And you know, like I I probably have him a little too low. But like it's been a trend now for a couple of years. It's just like well, I don't know what to do with that. But you know, at the same time I don't know if I'm docking him too much because yeah his forwards suck ass.
1: Yeah, they really do. I have a note on him honestly because some people think he's like top five. I have him as like hockey's Josh Allen. Because his numbers finally popped off the page this year for the first time. And that's really – because they're a lot more mediocre than people would have guessed coming into this year. But he finally puts it all together, at least from a play-driving perspective. Now what do you do with that? Yeah. And the microstats are good. So, like, people saying he's going to be worse than he was this year are probably right but he was a huge draft pick Uh, scouting people have loved him for forever. So the, and so the upside being there makes sense too. Right.
0: Yeah. And like, even just watch like hashtag eye test, like he's a pleasant player to watch. Like you can see why he draws people to them.
1: Oh, a hundred percent. And that's why I'm kind of willing to buy into it a little more with him.
0: I I think that's fair. Like, yeah. And then, but then I also look ahead of my list I go, well, I think I can make an argument for a lot of the guys ahead of them
1: too. I think you can make an argument very easily for a lot of players ahead of them, despite the fact that I have them ten.
0: Yeah, and like, I do think he's got a higher ceiling than some of the guys maybe ahead of him right now. Way higher ceiling. But I don't know about it. Like, I think he's got a lower floor too. Then a guy like like, we'll get to him in a couple. But like Pulak, I have slightly ahead of him. Pulak, I know what he's going to be. He's going to be the 16th best defenseman in most years. Right? Yeah, like, whereas
1: we're saying Victor Hedman misses all of next year. Somebody's replacing one of the big few defensemen. It's not going to be Pulak. It might
0: be Heiskanen. Yeah, exactly. But also if you told me Heiskanen just, his stats didn't come together again last year and he's back down to like 26 on this list. i mean, like, yeah, I can see that. Yeah. But yeah, yeah he's I, been an
1: average play driver for like three full years and then he just blew the fuck up this year.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like I have him maybe a little low, but it's just like evolving hockey's model has been really low on him.
1: Yeah, the like, GAR model's really going to hate him.
0: They have him at 9.7 goals above replacement over the past two seasons, which is like 60-something. 9.7. Yeah. 72nd. He's tied with Connor Clifton behind Chad Rudwiedel, Rasmus Sandin, John Klingberg, Eric Cernak, Darnell Nurse. Yeah. Nurse is a name I'm assuming you didn't even consider for this list, right?
1: Uh, I did not. Did you? Uh, no, not at all.
0: Expected I I
1: mean, goals above replacement has Heiskin in 20, by the way. It still kills him because he can't shoot to save his life. But
0: Yeah. So, like, yeah. And then yeah, that's I, 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 I kind of so. just balanced him at like 18 because I was like, I, like, I, it felt gross putting him there, though. I was like, I want to have this dude higher. I just, everything I'm looking at, because even like his isolated numbers, they're good, but like, there's a lot of guys ahead of him that have very similar isolated numbers and good, like, wins above replacement as well.
1: Yeah, there are a lot. You know, when I was like, ah, I just put Pedersen 11 because I'm unsure about pretty much everyone else here. And yeah. I'll bet on the guy, the young guy who's played at like a top tier level. I kind of just did that with Heisken.
0: Yeah, and like I feel like it's a fair bet where it's like Heisken's one of those guys where we look at this list next year. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if your list looks a lot smarter for having a 10 than me at 18.
1: Yeah, just because he's younger.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so it helps. Um, All right, who do you have at 18?
1: At 18 was my Latang.
0: Okay, cool. So, uh, yeah, we kind of talked about him already. Like, good, very good offense, you know, doesn't bring a ton defensively, but doesn't need to. You know, not yeah. like a liability defensively, but definitely not a shutdown guy by any means.
1: Yeah, we all know exactly who Chris Latang is at this point. It's just been nice to see him stay healthy, pretty healthy consistently. Yeah, he
0: played 77 or 78 games last year, which was very nice to see. Yeah. Good
1: I like Letang a lot.
0: Yeah, me too um all right at 17 i have a guy who i feel like you're gonna be higher on him too but he's had a couple down years in a row and i just again this is like he had a bad year lot like bad for his standards anyways that's shay theodore
1: okay yeah i I only have theodore 12 so it's not as high as i've been in recent years
0: but he he's just kind of cooled off over the past two years like three, three years ago was his absolute peak by basically, and four years ago too. three and four years ago, his underlying numbers were just freaking insane. Like his isolated impact was nutty.
1: Yeah. You know, he looked like he might be on like the McAvoy kind of tra- trajectory. Yep.
0: Yeah. And you know, he's kind of cooled off from that a bit to where, you know, like last year he was isolated impacted him plus 5% expected goals, plus 3.4 expected against though. And you know, I don't think, like, his uh, goals above replacement numbers weren't, like, shockingly high that I felt like... He was just one of those guys where, again, it was like, I feel like he should be higher than this, but his past two seasons have just been so mad that I don't know how I can justify Like, he's had 14.5 goals above replacement over the past two years. That's not bad, but that ranks 36th among all defensemen. Yeah, and he's, so, he's
1: another one, too, where his XG numbers are miles ahead of his actual goals numbers, which for a defenseman, I'm usually willing to completely brush off, but it's been like that for like a five years now. So if you wanted <laughs> to bring that ever. up as, as a legitimate concern, I'd be like, well, fair enough.
0: Yeah. And like, obviously points aren't everything um, when it comes to defensemen at all, but like he wasn't good enough defensively last year that 52 points in 78 games, it's not like that ranks him super high up on the list right like that still puts him at 14th among all defensemen scoring he like he just i don't know he wasn't good enough defensively that only being 14th i could push him up the list in my opinion right now
1: yeah that's fair i wrote it off a little more because it seemed like everyone had a down year in vegas
0: and yeah, maybe they just
1: all did
0: but yep i mean like the team was so injured throughout the whole year like Shay theodore would have been passing to like third and fourth liners on the top power play unit at some points
1: yeah, exactly. So I'm I'm willing to give him a little bit of a pass, but I could see him being either off the list or like eighth next year.
0: He's pretty good. Yeah, exactly. yeah, and like this was another guy where like if you want to argue he is twelve. Like I had literally anyone from kind of like thirteen to twenty or yeah, thirteen to like 17 16, or no, sorry, eighteen. It was between thirteen and eighteen, like Theodore was just the second guy I ended up throwing down there basically. And it's like, but if you want to tell he's like 12 or 13, like I'm not really going to fight you on that because the guys I have there, I don't feel like super confident about it either.
1: Yeah. I actually have a full tier of guys like that together, which we will get to. I have a feeling I will be slightly higher on them than you will.
0: Yeah. So uh, who do you have at 17?
1: 17. I have Pulak, who you had kind of mentioned.
0: I had him at 16. So one spot ahead of you.
1: Okay. That makes sense. I like Pulak. Uh, one of the down here this Islanders, year. yeah. Which, you, again, common on Long Island.
0: Do you have another Islander defense on this list? I do. Okay, me too. And we switched on him, I think, last year. Like, I had Pulak at 9 last year. I was pretty high on him. Now, granted, yeah, you you were the guy that's higher on our list. You had him at 12, but you had Pulak off your list. I think you said you forgot about him, though, I think, when we we're going through. so That makes sense. Yeah, I had him yeah. at 12. Yeah. And I have him up a little higher on my list this year. But yeah, I I pull up a good defenseman. Like, yeah, one of the better, one of the few, like, actually good Islander players.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Legitimately good. And he's, he's very much an Islander where he's very steady.
0: Yep. Exactly. Um, You know, I think I was listening back last year and you said the way, the way you described Pulak and Pelik were both just like, if two players were the Islander as a a team, that would be them. It would be them. Yeah, not, not really exciting, but I'll they get the job done. And, you know, again, he had a bit of a down year with most players last year on the Islanders, but he's had like six years in his career of being like a really solid defenseman for that, that I'm I'm definitely willing to give him the benefit of the doubt for at least a season. Yeah, 100%. And he was, honestly, he was better offensively than he has been in past years last year too. So at <laughs> least driving play. Which was weird to see,
1: but yes. uh, good for him.
0: Yeah, no kidding. Um, yeah, so very good player. I don't know if you have anything else on him really they they right. bore me the Islanders <laughs> as a whole so yes they really do uh so you knew at john carlson 16 yeah um so that lead i have kulak 16 so we're in the top 15 now this is where i put a guy i have no freaking idea what to do with this dude i be? feel. i feel like i'm way too low on him but he was so hurt and just not good this year dougie hamilton
1: yeah i knew it was gonna be dougie i have dougie 11 which isn't that much higher up at this point
0: yeah like it's kind of in that range where it's like, and honestly, like if Dougie Hamilton comes out and is the fourth best defenseman again next year, I wouldn't even bat an eye.
1: Yeah, we both had him five going into the year. Yep. it's it was tough watching him this year almost.
0: Yeah, well, and you could tell like he played, I think, sixty games, but you could tell for a lot of the year he was not fully healthy.
1: It reminded me of watching uh, Victor Hedman the one year where every yeah, two years
0: ago yeah, like yeah.
1: was a God, even though he was hurt. It was like anyone with an eye should be able to tell that he's not himself. It's not RAPM's fault that he looks bad in the numbers or whatever. Hamilton
0: was like that. Yeah, exactly. Like 30 points in 62 games is a big dip from his previous couple of years where he had 42 and 55, 40 and 47. Um, you know, and just like, he just didn't look comfortable in those games. Like he had a, uh, I think he was close to negative goals above replacement last year by evolving hockey's model. Jeez, yeah, like yeah. he was just he struggled. Like he just, yeah, three point six. So not like super super close, but like considering they you know, they have him at eleven point two over the past uh, two years, which ranks like fifty fifth, I think, among defensemen. Yep, fifty fifth on the dot. Like Mike Riley yeah, which, is ahead of them. Jacob Bryson, Artem Zub, you know, yeah, the guys that are all tied, tied 52, I guess. But yeah, like I just, the upside has still been so high that I'm not, I'm no, I don't want to write him off. That's for sure.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Because if Hughes is as good as we all think he's going to be, plus they added a little bit of depth this off season, uh, Hamilton's probably going to be the beneficiary of a lot of that production. Because I imagine he's still playing, he's playing power play one next year.
0: Yes, I, I would agree, and like, and on the flip side of it, like if he puts up another year like he did last year, he's gonna have a Subban-esque dive off this list.
1: Yeah, yeah, uh, five
0: mid-teens gone. Yeah, exactly. And like Carlson was kind of like that too, if I remember yeah. correctly. Where it's like, yeah, like I think two years ago when we we're doing this list, we both had him at like twenty so like fifteen to twenty. We're like, we, we still kind of want to see it. And then last year it was like, no, it's not into consideration. Yeah, absolutely not. This is done. So, um, yeah, I him at 15, and again, I just kind of... There's a couple guys I felt like I, I could argue ahead of him. I almost put him at 13, and then a couple guys... The two I had instead below him instead. So, right in that range where it's like, yeah, he's I think he's got to be outside the top 10 because of how poor of a year he had, but also, like, the capability for him to jump up is still very much there. For sure. Uh, who do you have at 15? At 15,
1: I have Jacob Slavin.
0: Okay, I have him... Um, I have him a little higher up this list. I figured. I think I was higher on him last year than you were. Yeah, I went 15 last year. You had him at honorable mention. Um
1: yeah, I think everybody in the stats community is higher on Slaven than me. I liked him a lot, but I think he's a little overrated.
0: I I kind of I, I kind of got behind that argument last year, especially like Dougie Hamilton, but like he just put up his best defensive season of his career in terms of isolated impact.
1: Yeah, he was great this year.
0: Well, taking more minutes. And like to me it was just not enough guys had a good year like better years than that where like that's he jumped up to 8 for me. Like he was just below Tanov in terms of I don't think he's quite as good defensively as Tanov, but also he's better offensively than Tanov too.
1: Oh, he's way better offensively. What uh, what scares me though is like if there's one statistic that's going to jump, that's going to be pretty noisy. It's going to be your defense.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I like um,
1: don't expect him to have real. But like he's he, good offensively, but he's not like a true offensive upside defenseman, right?
0: Yeah, for sure. And like I don't know, like his it, defensive statistics have range. Like he was minus thirteen point three isolated this year. He was zero to last year, minus five the year before that, plus eight. So they were definitely noisy. And then it goes minus 9.2, minus four, minus 2.1. So, like, he's been, on average, just a solid defender for his career. Um, but, yeah, like, it's definitely – and then the other thing, too, is, like, I just – I never know how much to punish him because, like, I feel like they're a little better nowadays. But, like, Carolina's been just notoriously always bad at scoring goals.
1: yeah yeah they've been horrible for most of his time there i'm sure their numbers over his career are like disgusting
0: yeah and like i i I haven't looked into it this past year if they were better at per 60 it felt like they were but like part of me also kind of wonders like okay we know this guy is good at controlling play like all his play driving numbers are elite or at least they were this year right like am i gonna am i gonna dock him for only having 42 points when it's like I just don't know what the rest of his team's going to do.
1: What's him, what's on the team, yeah. He's also a guy where we've talked about a lot of, we've talked about uncertainty with all of these players. He's the steadiest player we've talked about so far by a significant margin outside of maybe Pulak.
0: Yes, yeah, I would agree with that. Where it's like, again, he's another guy where I don't, he's never, he's not going to bust him in that top five range.
1: Yes. But if you told me him and Hamilton were both bad next year, one of those things would surprise me. And one of those things wouldn't. Yeah. Even though I have Hamilton higher.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's a, he's a, he's very much another guy where it's like high floor, lower, lower ceiling, relatively speaking.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He's still on the list. So obviously the ceiling's fantastic.
0: Yeah. Um, Yeah. So I had him at eight. I, again, like I, he had a really good year this year. So it'll be interesting if he repeats that because yeah, I, I think he's another guy where it's like he'll probably just be like 8 to 16 on our list for a while or a little while anyways, as long as Carolina's good. And he's a part of that, like, because, you know, I'm assuming if Carolina is good, he's probably good, because if he takes a step back, that defense core is it's, it's not great.
1: Yeah, it's not as good as its reputation.
0: Also, the Brent Burns thing irritates me to no end. He had better goals above replacement numbers than I would have thought. He was like in the 50s. I was like, oh. I could have guessed he would have been like a hundred by now, but
1: yeah, I kind of thought he was cooked, which still probably is, but I'm sure he'll put up points and whatnot.
0: Yeah. And like, if there's one system to kind of be able to hide a defensive liability, it's probably Carolina's.
1: Yeah. That's the one that propped up Tony D'Angelo.
0: Yeah, exactly. So I'm assuming they're kind of just hoping they get like, like Burns. I'm just looking at his isolated impact right now. He had 11 plus 11.3 offensively in 2020, 2021. I'm assuming they just hope they get that and they just will cover up his defensive warts by itself.
1: Yeah. They're just willing to put up with it.
0: Yeah. Cause he hasn't been a positive defender since 2011, 12 and he was 0.3%. You know, and it's bad that was, when the noisiest. The only... No, sorry, go ahead.
1: The, the noisiest statistic for your position and you're consistently horrible at it.
0: Yep. Um, since 2000, that was the only year he was positive, and very, very, very slightly positive since 0708. Yeah, so that's uh that's great. Um, Anyways, um all right. So you had him 15. Uh, all right, 14s guy. Uh, you had actually on our mentions actually. Maybe a little high. I, I could argue put him down to 18 and sit so like guys with high skin then maybe up at 14. But he's such a good year. I want to put him up here, and that's uh Showington.
1: I like that. It is – yeah, I docked him because of the one year. He was around this range best defenseman in the NHL last year. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, like he – man, like he just – and it's funny because he's one that isolated impact, didn't actually love in terms of their model. Um, But goals above replacement, love this dude. Yeah, I
1: wonder, because Micah has coaching effects in there. I wonder if he maybe gave more to Sutter or something would be the difference.
0: Probably like he's not a bad one on um, isolated impact. He's just like slightly below average defensively and about like 4% above average offensively, which like isn't bad, but like his models never liked him. Like he's been negative both ways, both year or for all three years. So even that was a big enough jump on that model where it's like, well, when you also include the massive jump in goals above replacement, I will, lean to where I think, you know, I feel pretty good about it.
1: Yeah. Which is reasonable. It's just, uh, it's like I had high in, in this kind of area too, just off one year. It's just a question of who you, uh, which one hit one are you taking the bet on? right?
0: Yeah. And like the one thing I'm really worried about with Shillington in terms of like, like he, just, he didn't play much at all last year. He only had a hundred minutes last year. So it's kind of yeah, hard okay, to man. evaluate his 2020, 2021 season. Right. Yep.
1: Yeah. And, and then, even the two other bad years before that, he barely played, right? Yeah, like
0: 640 minutes and 460 minutes. So you got so one
1: season combined. For that's 1,100
0: three. minutes. He played more time this past year at 1,228 minutes than he did the previous four years combined, or three years combined. Yeah. So it, part of me worries because the three years were all bad, but at the same time, you have the same amount of time on ice.
1: Yeah, so, it's a tough thing to weigh. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know the right answer there, to be honest.
0: And I think the other drawback maybe to Shillington is that if you look at his RAPM, the the biggest thing for him is goals four per 60, which is the least thing I want to put into a defenseman.
1: Yeah, it'll be the least stable for defenders, but he is also young. So if that falls back, he could become a better play driver very easily. Yeah.
0: Like he's only 24. You know what? I think I'm going to bump him down to 18. I think, yeah, I'm going to bump him down to 18 to be honest. That's,
1: yeah, that's closer to where I would have him. Although, like I said, he was definitely that good last
0: year. Yes, like he was very, very good last year. I just, yeah. now that I look at the priors a little more, I, I don't know if it's fair.
1: Yeah, and I'm thinking too, like a him versus Heiskanen if we're going to talk about the one-hit wonders. I know like the microstats have loved Heiskanen for, for forever and he's like a higher draft pick and everything. So it just seems more likely that the, his was real kind of thing.
0: Yes, I, I definitely... Uh... And even just like um, if I'm not mistaken, like Heiskinen's past numbers were better than Shillington's two. Yeah, they were bigger, average at least. Yeah, he had a bigger sample size, of course, but like yeah, like his 20, it's not like his 2020, 2021 numbers were like bad or anything. They were just not they they were just whatever. Yeah. So yeah,
1: they just weren't great.
0: Yeah. All, All right, right. I'm I gonna cool bump best. I'm gonna bump Shillington down to 18. And that's kind of making me debate my next pick here as well. But I'll, I'll let you go with your 14 because I'm up to 14 now. So 14, I have somebody who I'm surprised I have this high, but
1: he's been amazing. Is Mackenzie Weaker?
0: I have him at 10. He, okay. Yeah, he's been
1: unreal. I like that. He's fantastic. He's, uh, and he places offside.
0: Yeah, exactly. It, it's so strange uh, to see a guy that high that doesn't play his correct side, but. Um, yeah, we talked about him on the podcast last year. I don't as an honorable mention because I said, I don't really know. And you would have been 17. And, you know, the consensus was kind of like, we don't really know what to do with this guy. He said half a season of just absolutely elite play. And we just like prior to that was just kind of like a number three, number four defenseman. Well, he followed this up again with a very elite season.
1: Yeah, he was absolutely. Um, this was his best year.
0: Yeah, he's he's been ninth in goals above replacement on defensemen of the past two years.
1: Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, so,
0: like, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, like I just like he's. It's one of those things where it's like, well, I asked him to repeat it, and he did. So I I, I can't really argue with it. And like he yeah. drove play Gosh really Walker. well too.
1: He's an amazing play driver. It's gonna be really interesting, and I'm kind of annoyed about plays he went to Calgary. Because the thing is, he exploded in the system where everybody explodes, mm-hmm. all the defensemen. But he's going to Calgary, where five five Calgary Flames defensemen just had career years too. So it's not like that's a great change of environments to see like what he's like in a neutral environment.
0: Literally, like I had of Chillington, Anderson, all those guys I wanted to like consider on this list or to have on this list. You know, like. Exactly. Like, he's going to an absolute factory farm of defensemen. And like, yeah, like Han- like Hannafin, Anderson, Tanev, now Uyghur and Chillington. Like that's five, uh, arguably top 32 defensemen. Yeah. And you know, like
1: Tanev is going to be taking the tough matchups. So he's either going to have the best shutdown defender in the league to his right, playing tough matchups, or he's going to be playing sheltered minutes. So it's not going to get any easier to evaluate
0: him. No, exactly. So, um, yeah, I hit him to 10 just because it was like, yeah, like it, it's just one of those things where it's like, he's had two really good seasons in a row. I'm, I'm not going to argue. I'm just going to just gonna throw him there where it's like, he's been so good. I, I just can't argue it. And then like that 10 to 14 range, I think is absolutely right for him. For, uh, for context,
1: because uh, I have, we're talking about Dougie and Theodore ahead of them. I've spent all of this summer listening to football podcasts and everything they've talked about in football is like, nobody really cares about the media outcome. They're all just like chasing upside in their QBs or whatever. I feel like that's creeped into my hockey thoughts. So I've never really noticed that until now. Because like Uyghur's median outcome is definitely better than Dougie Hamilton's or whatever. But again, Dougie Hamilton's way more likely to be number five next year, I think.
0: Yep, yeah, I, I definitely think that's fair. And like it's just so attractive too, because you you look way stupider when you don't have a guy who just explodes. It's like, well, yeah, everyone saw him exploding, of course.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you don't want to miss out on on a good row season or whatever.
0: Yeah, exactly. Whereas like you look smart enough, but everyone kind of listened to you brag for like three seconds when you're like, Oh yeah, I was high on Shay Theodore for four years and now he's actually good. So you all. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's uh yeah, I, I definitely think that's fair. Um, all right. I'm going to go to my next player. I, this is another guy who really struggled with the rank and, and you had him on. You're usually higher on him. Surprisingly. Um, you had him on your honorable mentions this year. It's Thomas Chabot.
1: Yeah. I he's He also confuses me, given the context.
0: So, I didn't – part of this is definitely biased because I'm a Sens fan. I got to watch him basically all 59 games he played. So, that's the biggest thing. He only played 59 games this year. He was hurt. He had two different pretty major injuries, and that hampered – like. 12 to 15 games at least of when he also played like i don't think he was healthy for more than half a season this year and so I, I fully didn't know that so exactly so like i have that context because i watched the senators for i'm sure there's a guy on this list that is very similar to Shabbat, yeah. but i don't know that because i don't watch them for that many games in a year right
1: yeah, yeah, I can so, tell you the ins and outs of TJ Brody, but I I can't tell you goddamn thing about Shabbat's contacts.
0: Yeah, exactly. So like, I didn't dock him quite as heavily for the points because he still had 38 points in 59 games. And honestly, I can tell you for like 10 plus of those games, he really didn't look like himself. Um, the other thing is, despite all that, and you know the time he's missed, he still ranks 22nd among all defensemen in goals above replacement over the past two years, despite playing like. 30 less games than some of the guys above him. Plus um,
1: in goals of replacement, there is a team multiplier for how many standings points your team earned. Yeah, That's exactly. Not like, going to help Shabbat.
0: Yeah, exactly. And like he's one of the guys, as you said when you list him as an honorable mention, his numbers I think will explode. Like I think he should be not a sleeper, but like one of those guys you take higher up than people think he maybe should go in fantasy picks this year. Because
1: fantasy is the perfect place to be so high on
0: this guy yeah because he is going to be loaded up with power play one minute on a power play that now goes from like god bless tim stutzla and brady kachuk and drake batherson and josh norris those are all good players you're taking two of those guys out dog uh, claude Giroux, one of the best passers in the league and alex de one of the best shooters in the league
1: it's such a it's such a glow up and she's gonna get so many assists on that power play
0: yeah exactly because he's the quarterback everything goes through him so Um, you know, I think his points are going to explode. And the other thing that, you know, I was encouraged by this year. And I still think if he wants to get up in that top 10 range, because truthfully, every time I watch a he has the talent to be one of those top five guys, in my opinion, in the league. He's just never put it all together. And part of that is the defensive game. He's never been good enough at it. He took a stride that year, this way too, this year. Like he was, he wasn't good defensively, but he became just kind of average. And that is an improvement over the past four years because he has been a very negative defender at some points in his career
1: he has yeah with if he can be an average defender again I will definitely have him on this list because his offense has been consistent
0: yeah exactly so this is definitely one and it's you know it's funny because we were saying and like generally speaking you i I try to take any bias out and like like i almost I, I usually dock senators players because I'm not trying to be biased towards them yeah um, but yeah, with Shabbat, this one, I was just like, again, like if someone want to argue that he was 18th or like 17th with Shillington, I think he had one more goal of replacement than Shillington over the past two years, which is why I put him one place higher than him originally on my list. Like, if you want to argue that that's where he should be, I'm, I'm not like, I'm not disagreeing with you. I think he's right in that like 11 to 22 ish range where he's absolutely a number one defenseman. It's just, you know, he's got one or two years probably left to prove that he can put it all together and maybe crack that top ten.
1: Yeah, he's in the glut of guys who like by definition are number one defensemen. But when people talk about number one defensemen, they pretend that there's only like seven of them in the entire NHL. And he's just not in that tier.
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah, and like I don't think he's not like like he's gotta he's gotta take a big stride or become just like elite elite offensively to get into that tier, I think. For sure, which he so, very might very well might do. Yeah, it's so, not like the fact that he's even a player that has the range to be a top five defenseman for any given year in a season is encouraging.
1: Yeah, all my projection models have loved him because he had so much offensive upside at such a young age. And he's young enough still, he could absolutely put that all together.
0: Yeah. So uh who did you have at 13?
1: At 13, I had a guy who I'm gonna wonder if you had him off fully. Uh Petrangelo.
0: I did leave him off fully.
1: Okay. That's interesting. He's tough to rank as well.
0: He had a tough year this year, and I I maybe factored age in a little harshly on him. Which is fair, because, yeah, he's old, and he took a step back, and there was a
1: lot of good – a lot of the times when a guy takes a step back, I'm willing – who's been amazing, I'm willing to just say – yeah, it was probably noise, and I think you're going to be right more often than not when you say, "Yeah, it's just noise." Especially when the whole team struggles, like Bedrangel. The but there's a lot of actually good articles around him saying when defensemen like that lose their foot speed, a lot of the times their defensive impacts are fully gone and they never come back.
0: Yeah, and if that
1: happened to him, he's screwed.
0: Yes, and he's played a lot of hard minutes too. Like it's not a guy where it's like. Like, he he's taking a physical toll where it's like, if you tell me he's banged up every year, I wouldn't believe you.
1: Exactly. Because he's, yeah, he's been through the ringer. But and, he's also won a Norris Trophy very recently.
0: Yeah, like three years ago. Yeah, And maybe I'm banking. Cause he, that was such a high peak. The other thing, too, is like he took a step back last year already. So last three, year, yeah. Three years ago we had him in that undisputed like top three, top five range. I think, you know, I I didn't listen to the podcast, but I'm fairly certain we both had him around three. Because it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Norris because it was there like, at the time. Headman was one, he was a Norris winner. And then like we kind of had McAvoy as like our trendy pick or whatever, but like McCarr wasn't there yet. Fox no. wasn't there yet. Hamilton we had up there as well. So it probably would have been like him, Hedman, and Hamilton as the top three, and then maybe like a McAvoy and a real trendy pick on, uh, up there too. But last year, you had him seven, I had him eight. And we both kind of said, we're like, he did not have the greatest year this year, but like he's coming from such a high that it's okay. You know? And he wasn't bad or anything, but he took another step down this year. And that, uh, that frightened me a bit. And again, like part of me is kind of, kind of willing to say like, much like Shea Theodore, it could have just been because all of Vegas sucked. For sure. And it,
1: that's that's what I'm betting on. Like I said, they all just kind of struggled at once. A lot mm-hmm. of injuries.
0: But I also still have Theodore on my list without Petrangelo, and I think a lot of that is due to age. Like, I dock Petrangelo hard because he's now had two downward seasons into his 30s.
1: For sure. And like I said, there was, like, actual tactical analysis of mm-hmm. why he might be cooked. Hockey – rarely is just a good reason ever presented for any of this stuff, but there's actually a good one out there probably for Petrangelo.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I am on my big list of, like, I think he's still in that top 35 range where he's, like, if he's, you know, maybe not a 1D, he's real close to it. But, yeah, I just, like, if you told me he is fully healthy again next year and he's fine, it wouldn't shock me. But, you know, just given the age he's at, you know, I'm getting to the point where it's like, oh, yeah, I'm definitely – Definitely a little worried about this. Like, he had a negative goals above replacement this year. Which is
1: tough. And a lot of that's because the puck just didn't go in. It's For sure. Like, his, his, his even-strength
0: offense was neutral, which I don't think it's been in years.
1: Yeah. And that's... But, like, he was still a good XG guy. It's just that yeah.
0: like, no but one of again, scored this year. More to that article, he was a minus 4.5 even-strength defense guy.
1: He was bad defensively. And he was bad defensively last year, too.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. That's why I, I left him off my list. I just two down years in a row and maybe I punch him a little too hard but like I just I'm a little worried about him that's for sure
1: he's another guy where I kind of wonder if he's either going to be a Norris contention or we don't even think about him ever again for the rest of his career on these lists
0: yeah like I kind of have a hard time seeing him just being 15 again next year eh?
1: yeah I doubt he's Slavin I bet you he's either Norris level him or yeah it's Subban he's done
0: yeah um, all right, so we have you up to the top 10 already. Your 10 is high and then you go. Hamilton, Theodore, Petrangelo, Uyghur, Slavin, Carlson, Pulak, Latang, Tanev, Warensky at 20. Um We don't have my 12 or 11 yet. So I will give those. Uh Pelic is at 12. We already mentioned him, so I'm assuming you have him in your top nine somewhere. I have him at
1: precisely nine.
0: Okay, yeah. So that's right about the range where I think you could argue a couple of these guys up or down. Um I I swapped on Pellick and Pulak this last year. Um, I had Pellick as an honorable mention and Pulak at nine. Uh, I got Pellick at twelve this year, which is where you had him last year actually, and you forgot Pulak. So you said you probably would have had him in the similar area, maybe at like ten. Um, so I swapped completely on the two. Pulak's still at fifteen. Like they're still very close on these lists. Uh, Pellick just had a better year this year. Like I said, Pulak had a down year. Pellick didn't have a peak year, I don't think, but it was still better than uh, what Pulak's was,
1: for sure. Pellick's, yeah, Pelic has the, uh, the play-driving numbers of, like, slightly more, although they're both obviously great.
0: Yeah, and, like, he was, like, really, really solid defensively this year, and that's two years in a row now where he's been, and three of the past four where he's been, like, elite defensively, and even that third, fourth one was, like, he was just good. Like, he was minus 4.2% expected goals against.
1: For sure, which, given how noisy defensive numbers are, we could just estimate he's... Uh... He's a very good defensive player, and it'll just kind of bounce around somewhere around there.
0: Yep, exactly. So, um, yeah, like again, not a guy I ever really see in having a high ceiling. But, you know, again, if both of these guys are on that 9 to 18 range next year on next year's list, I, I'd almost be surprised if they're not at yep.
1: this point. So. Yeah, this seems like a good tier for Pelican.
0: I'm kind of wondering if this guy is off. Ah, no, never mind. I guess my 7, 8, and 10 are all gone. So once I have this, well, I'll have my top 10. I have Jared Spurgeon of 11. Okay, I have him 7. Okay, yep. Uh, I, I love Spurgeon. I mean, for, for a while, I feel like I underrated him because he was in Minnesota. And like... Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> he peaked when Minnesota was like the meme of the league for being unwatchable.
0: Yeah, and I still like, like, he's such a good He's He's up there as well with good, like, shutdown defenders.
1: Oh, he's insane. It's funny that, um, people act just because I've been paying attention to draft stuff and they're like, oh, it's just like assumed that short defensemen are going to get killed when, like, the third best defensive player in the National Hockey League is a five foot, what, eight defenseman.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, like, he, I think he's, third above all oh wait actually no maybe he's not that high that's surprising he's 20th among all defensemen and goals above replacement over the past two years i thought he was gonna be way higher defensively but he's actually like pure defensively but he's not i mean he's not like low or anything he's 35th but um that's just uh-huh. even strength yeah i know that's just even strength defense for them to be fair i'm trying to see if their penalty kill is any different um he doesn't I mean, take
1: penalties, which also helps his defense if you take yeah. a more holistically. Yeah, like he has
0: a 4.1 take, which is really good. And then a 1.1 defense. So, like, adding all those together, he would be among the, like, best of – Oh, actually, here. Sorry, I can rank from that. There. I don't know why I didn't do that before. Um, this is a great podcasting. I don't know. I've <laughs> lost him. Surprisingly, Brodine is 10th. That makes sense mm. for Brodine. He's pretty good. He's a uh, he's third in
1: expected uh, or his second in expected WAR over the past okay, three years.
0: Well, Thirty now. seconds in peer defensive goals above replacement. But um, yeah, like and like evolving hockey's or sorry, uh, hockey biz like absolutely loves him. His isolated impacts have been strong for a number of years now. Forever, um, the I I feel like I still dock him a few steps because as I just mentioned on Brodeur, but also like. The name I asked you about before the podcast started Alex Golagoski is sixth among all defensemen over the past two years in goals above replacement. Um, he has 27, which honestly, good for him for having that many in an Arizona year two years ago because that's who he played with. Um, but a lot of that came with uh the Minnesota Wild over 82 games where he put up 15.9 goals above replacement last year, which, which is, is nuts, just absurd. Um, so like, there's definitely still some Tina. He put up 11.1 in a shortened 56-game season with Arizona of all goddamn teams two years ago. Good for him. He?
1: Either there's something we're miss, Either we're missing something big about his play, Goligoski, or he is on the shooting bender of a lifetime and it happened two seasons in a row.
0: Well, he's only had three goals and two goals over the past two years. 19 oh, just on ice 26? shooting yeah okay yeah maybe because anything space he flies off the
1: page but his underlying numbers are just kind of like good but not crazy
0: yeah like not top 20 ranked
1: yeah the the underlying numbers reflect probably what our snap
0: reactions In, of him were yeah I, I think he was on an ice shooting because even like his isolated impact last two years ago was negative eight And his goals above replacement offensively two years ago was 7.8. So there's a huge disconnect there. Yeah, that is a pretty big gap. But anyway, so that's kind of why I I bumped Spurgeon probably down a few spots as well. It's like there still clearly is some team effect, but he's also very clearly the best defender on that team.
1: He's their number one for sure. But yeah, with like Brodeans around this tier, they have a lot of good defensemen. Dumba, I didn't think about, but he's also still – you know, I think he's like the two.
0: Yeah. I think he's in that 32 to 42 range. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, um, all right. So that meant my top 10. I had Weger, Spurgeon, Pelik, Shabbat, Hamilton, Pulak, Theodore, Heiskanen, Shillington, Carlson, Morgan, Riley. Uh, I have my nine left. And then I, we have all the way up to seven for me. Cause I had 10 of seven, Slavin eight, number nine. I'm wondering if you have him at eight. It's Aaron Blad. I'm six. Okay. Good. Nice. Um, I put him in Liger together because they've had very similar results. And I just like on a similar team, um, you know, obviously Ekblad got hurt, unfortunately, last year um, in the middle of like a really, really good season for him. Um, So that kind of docks him when you look at like total numbers. Um, But he's still like, for how much time he's missed, he's still 15th among all defenders and goals above replacement over the past two years. And he's played 96 games. No one around him on this list has played less than 100 until you get to Shillington at 81. Yeah, he is. Oh, sorry, like 81 game games played, in Shillington's 23rd. So, Yeah, and yeah they again, are
1: tough to get apart,
0: eh? Yes, like, and it's a systems thing, too, where it's like they're very close together. And, like, so I had Ekblad a spot higher than Weger because he had four goals above replacement less over the past two years, but played 40 games less than Weger. And also I'm pretty yeah, sure he takes most of the tough matchups in Florida too. Yeah, I don't know
1: exactly how they're deployed, to be honest.
0: I mean, in the playoffs, they were trying to deploy Ben Sharra, which was just <laughs> <laughs> true. I do have a
1: note on Ekblad. He's gonna have to be a McAvoy this year.
0: Yes, this defense core has gone from like strength of the team to hmm. It,
1: Aaron Eckblad and friends.
0: Yes, Aaron Eckblad and oh my God, you better hope you've truly fixed Brandon, Brandon Montour and Gustav Forsley.
1: Yeah, and even still, like, Radko Gudis might be on your second
0: pair. Michael Delzado, <laughs> like, he's fine, I guess, but like, he's going to be an option for them this year. Mark Stahl might be playing in like normal minutes for them. We're gonna learn a
1: lot more about Ekblad this year than we will about Weger. That is yes, for sure,
0: one hundred percent. So, and like to be fair, like if he has a season like he did last year with this defense core, I think he's another guy who could also push for like a top five. So, I mean, you went six already, but like yep. to me, five was kind of the cutoff right now. Where I think Ekblad is a tier below everyone ahead of him.
1: Yes, I agree. The top five is kind of in
0: their own world. Okay, so. I know who you have... I'm even shocked if you don't have this guy at eight anyways. I have him at six, assuming it's the right guy. Roman Yossi. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. good call. Yeah. So, um, uh, I think... This our top is probably five, low for some people. Five. Oh, yeah. I bet you there's people who say he's top three right now. Which is crazy. Because I know... You have to just right be staring at year. points. And and even then, like, McCar was not that far behind in points-wise and had more goals.
1: Yeah. Like... Roman Yossi is a left-winger. He's yes. an amazing left-winger who takes face-offs from the blue line. But, like, he is exactly who we thought he is. He just had the shooting to go along with
0: who he's always been this year. Yeah, that whole team was on a shooting measure this year, which yeah, is funny. Sh- That's, like, that part is. of the part of the upside is having a Roman Yossi, of a Roman Yossi type player he can just casually pop off for 90 points in a season or whatever it was. Because whenever
1: all your forwards are finishing on nine times more of their shots than they usually do, Roman Yossi is gonna get him the puck better than almost anyone on earth. And that's exactly what he did.
0: And it worked out perfectly for them. Yep, yeah, that's a great skill to have. But when you still don't play a lick of defense, <laughs> you're gonna be down at the six to eight range.
1: Yeah. So yeah, and even still like a lot of his offensive impact, he is worse by both evolving hockey and Micah's model at generating shots for and scoring like he's a worse offensive play driver than Charlie McElroy Uh, but he's good at touching the puck before it goes in the net. Yeah. And like it just depends how you measure it.
0: Yeah. And like he's been so good at putting up points that I do think there is kind of a skill to it at least somewhat.
1: There definitely is.
0: But like yeah, like True talent, obviously, no, he's not old, but yeah, like true talent, you can't expect him to put up 96 points in 80 games every year, but that's his upside, which is great. It just means that, like, his upside is he's going to be the third best defenseman, or se- I think he was what, second in Norse voting this year, something like for, that, yeah, for a singular year, and that's good, that's great. But, like, when we're trying to project forward and looking over the course of a year, like, you had him 13 and I had him 11 last year which I think is still correct because he only put up 33 points the year before this one.
1: For sure. And when points are your bread and butter,
0: you got to put up more than 33 in a 48 games. But, yeah. and you can make the argument and fairly so that it was the opposite of what happened last year where none of his forwards could put the bucket in the net.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was kind of the inverse. So if you, the smart thing to do is probably average the two and then exactly. you get somewhere like a and six to eight. Like we have
0: literally guess what? If you average 13 and eight, uh, or sorry, like, if you average 13 and 6, which is the high point or the high point and low point, you get about 8. And same with, like, in any given year, let's say he was the second-best defenseman. I don't know if he – probably I would still have him, like, third, even if we're looking at just this year. But 96 points is kind of insane as well. So let's just say for argument's sake he was second. Last year, there's no way – like, we had him down last year acknowledging it was a bad year. There's no way he could have been higher than 15th in terms of, like, just last year's defenseman. So that puts him at eight, like, in the middle, set six to eight, right? Like, it's, it's pretty, just kind of yeah. – It's perfect range for him. If you're the sixth-best defenseman in the NHL, guess what? You are a really good goddamn defenseman.
1: Exactly. You're just not Victor Head, and that's okay.
0: Yes, like, that's fine. But, like, people will take – It's the Ovechkin thing all over again just to a lesser degree.
1: Yeah, which is wild, too, because the top – Four, at least one of the guys in the top five, who well, I'm pretty sure we're both gonna have five. I kind of get why people aren't as high on him because he doesn't have the name value, but like you know, when people had him two, like it's not like Victor Hedman doesn't have enough name value to outdo Yossi, even if the numbers are similar, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, I think I agree. I have Devontae's five. I'm assuming that's your
1: That is exactly what
0: I was talking about. Yeah, so for me. I, he was kind of in this tier of his own where I thought he was pretty comfortably fifth. I think, he like, statistically, you could still make an argument for him to be two, which is kind of crazy. But I think you I, you have to dock him a little for who his partner is, right? That is exactly what I have knocked him for. Yeah, like, he, it, again, knocking him from two to five. So he's second among goals yeah. above replacement over the past two years for defensemen. Guess who's one? It's his Yeah, so...
1: Just at five on five you could also make an argument. He's one.
0: Yeah. Like he's, he's so in like that. That's why they're the perfect pairing too, because he's so good at doing all the little things. The needs to be able to play like a left winger and come back and, and help his teammates out that like, it just becomes so effective, but it's like, how do you, how do you give credit for one of those and the other? Right. The perfect
1: pairing, but yeah, it's so tough, but there's just so much credit to go around. You, I have, My note next to Devontae's is if Bergeron was a defenseman.
0: Yeah, like he's just been so good defensively, and that's why it, it pairs perfectly with a guy who can, sometimes plays like a left wing, but has a little more speed than Yossi, I think, to just kind of get back and, and cover his ass at times.
1: For sure. And, right, Cam and McCarr McCarr. Is just so... Like, Yossi's great
0: so, great the puck, Yeah, but we'll, is... Yeah, yeah I mean, we'll get, to, we'll him, get to him. But yeah, like for Devontae's, it's like... But I like I don't know. I don't think if you pulled just the casual Twitter fan, or like Twitter NHL fan, I don't think Devontae's would be five. No,
1: not even close.
0: I think Yossi would be ahead of is, him. I think Ekblad yeah. would be ahead of him.
1: Both definitely would be. Heisken might be.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, like, maybe not now, but like even going into this year, I think Seth Jones would have been ahead of him. Probably. We I mean, had Jones on our list last year, and we had Taves at uh, – you had him eight, and I had him fourteen. And even again, like last year, it was kind of holy shit, he was good. I just want to see him do it again. And, and he did it again to so five.
1: And the weird thing is, like, we'll get into this a little bit more with McAvoy, because I think it applies better to him. But when people get confused with the Devontae's at five, like they but everyone will acknowledge that the Avs have been historically good. How do you get to be that good? You have a shitload of players really high on
0: this list. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like It shouldn't surprise anyone that they have two defensemen in the top five. They have a centerman in the top three. They had a winger in the top five and a winger about 15th. I want to say, let me go back and look at that list real quick. Um, I guess he was honorable mention for me and yeah, just honorable mention for you as well, but still like 24th in Landeskog, right? Like top 30 winger. And then we had them ranting in two on both our lists. And for centermen, we had uh, McKinnon three on both lists. So you have the number two defenseman, or sorry, the number two winger, the number three centerman. Um, spoiler alert: If you don't have a number one, I think you're getting too hot takey with it. Still, um, probably the number one defenseman on both our lists, and the number five defenseman. Yep. Yeah, you're gonna have a good fucking team. Exactly, it makes sense. Uh,
1: ranton is another one that applies to. People get confused why everybody has him so high. It's like,
0: of course he's. That stupidly good. The team had to get it from somewhere. Yeah, exactly. And especially because it's not like their depth was scoring 20 <laughs> goals apiece. No. Like, like their depth I know was my, fine, but it wasn't like disgusting.
1: Especially because they stayed that good when McKinnon, and I want mm-hmm. to be very clear, I'm going to
0: say for him, played horrible last year. Yeah. And, and it was like, even like when McKinnon dipped in, they were still just like, oh, it, no, we're good.
1: We're yeah, fine. Like, they don't miss a beat when McKinnon's hurt. Why? Yep. Because the rest of their players are also that good.
0: Yeah, like, they were missing, like, Landis and McKinnon, and then Ranton was bruised up for, like, five games. They're like, no, we're going to go five now. Yep, or better yet, they won a cup with horrible goaltending. Yeah, and, like, Sam Gerard was out. Sam Girard's another guy where I had him on my, like, 37 list
1: which makes sense.
0: Yeah, I didn't like, add that many
1: people, but he would have been on mine too if I had that Yeah, like to games.
0: me, Sanford's like a fringe, like a, a really good two. And he's the third. Some people might even argue four if you're that high on Bone Byron.
1: Yeah. If, depending on what you think of his playoff run and probably what you thought of him coming out, you could easily have him four.
0: Yeah. So like, but yeah, like that's just why the team is so good. Yeah. Like you can't be confused why they have so many high players on this list. It's the exact same as Stanford. And that's the weird thing. It's like, no one bats an eye when Hedman's top three, Stamkos is top 10 and Kucherov and Vasilevsky's one and goaltending and Kucherov's top three in every winger's list. But for whatever reason, when it comes to Colorado, I don't know if it's just because they had, hadn't won before this year, but people just get gonna like, is. "Well, How can that be that? Like, like that would you, it probably is to be honest. Now they say it, but
1: yeah, this guy won a cup, this guy didn't. And that's where our analysis should end in a team sport.
0: Yeah. So yeah, no, Tate's absolutely amazing player. And you know, fifth Uh, I'm gonna be curious. So this is where we kind of strayed last year. So we both had Dougie Hamilton at five last year. Um, and then we we had honestly a fully different four. We had the same two, but the one through three was all different. Who do you have at number four?
1: Number four,
0: I have Adam Fox. Oh, me too. So I didn't, I had Fox four last year. You had him three. I didn't change off of that. Um, you have him one spot down, obviously, still. To me, there's still a very obvious tier of top four here. Like, I love Devon but I think he's a step down from, from Fox yet, too. For sure.
1: Like, statistically, they're very similar. But if you have two guys who are within air bars of each other, I'm going to defer to the guy who plays on the freaking Rangers instead of as Kale McCars.
0: He's playing with Ryan Lindgren and, like, Jacob Truba or whatever is his top two. Or Lindgren and, like, I don't know. Name another. Not great rangers defenseman i'm sure there's a bunch yeah instead of yeah Kale mccarr for a hundred percent of his minutes
1: also fox is like one of the best power play defensemen in the entire league and Taze has good numbers on the power play but
0: you know can't the guy moves. i was thinking of
1: not that he's bad but like sneaky good but not we're talking not, about Kale mccarr and I, passing the puck to ranton and mckinnon
0: exactly right like because even like as good as panarin is and, I mean, that's a part of the power play as well. But, like, as good as Panarin is, he sucked at 5-on-5 five five this year.
1: Yeah, he's not even close to multiple of the swingers wingers at, or forwards at 5-on-5. Five five. Yeah. He's worse than Qadri, probably, at 5-on-5 five five this year.
0: Yeah, and, like, even, like, Jet had a great year this year. Probably also worse than Qadri was this year. Yeah. So, um, but, yeah, like, I Fox, he's just, he's such a great puck mover. He's so good at that. He, like. I don't want to say
1: single-handedly on the Rangers, but it's very clear to me that they would be screwed
0: without him. Oh, absolutely. 100%. Like, they'd be just... Him and Shesterkin, obviously, like... Yes, yes. He's the one
1: skater that I think they'd be screwed without.
0: Well, and, like, his isolated impact has just been, like... I feel like his defensive game is almost underrated. Like, he's had an isolated impact be- over the past three years of minus 11.6, minus 9.9, minus 4.8. He's been like an above average to elite defender over the past three years.
1: It's kind of funny, too. Some of his underlying numbers are actually gotten kind of worse since his uh, Calder year, but we just have so much more certainty around it as he keeps putting out crazy good numbers.
0: Yeah, exactly. Like, he didn't, I don't think he had as good of a year this year as he did last year, but it was such a high bar to come from where it's like, oh, yeah, he's still. The best, like, he's still a top four player, and like, which is funny too, because this year, uh, evolving hockey actually liked him. He they had him at 16.2 goals above replacement versus uh, 9.8 last year. Now, granted, uh, less games last year, so that would make sense. Sure. Uh, 9.8 sorry, doing quick math here, I'm trying to multiply that out by what did he played this year 78 games, so 13.89. So let's say 13.9, he still had. You know, two goals, uh, two goals above replacement last, so they liked his year more this year. And it's funny because he wasn't in the um Vesna or Vesna Norris talk at Norris. all. This, yeah, point he th- really
1: wasn't. I never really thought about that.
0: No, I, I think it's just because the new toy like Roman Yossi put up so many points, and then Hedman's always going to be a lock for third. And then obviously Cam McCar, right? So
1: Hedman doesn't even have to play good to get there.
0: No, literally, he proved that two years ago. <laughs> you know, like whatever you want to call, if you want to call last year, this past season, it's getting to yeah. the point where it's like last year, I guess, is now 2021.
1: So I keep mixing them up too. Yeah. I thought Peter Angelo won the Norris last year too. Yeah,
0: it was. Yeah, that would be three years ago, three full, like three seasons ago now, which is kind of crazy to think about. It. That is wild. But um yeah, no, like Adam Fox is absolutely amazing. You know, great offensive defenseman who's you know I I feel like he does get the rap of well he's good offensively he must be bad defensively and he's just not
1: very much not and especially like we said the team is crumbling around him at least at five on Mm -hmm. five and he's still plugging along
0: yeah exactly and that's like the biggest thing of like him versus guys even at like nine or ten on this list is where it's like some of the guys at nine or ten drive play at five on five maybe just as well as him but don't have the defense or they have the defense but they don't drive the play and get the points near as well it's like exactly. he's just the whole package.
1: He does it all.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, um, all right, number three. I, I think we're going to have the same top five here then. I, I'm kind of excited. Number three, Victor Edmund? Oh, yeah.
1: I, oh. I thought this, this would be the one we disagree on. I
0: nice. Think. No, I, I'm i fully – so the only one I was a little worried so – I, I couldn't believe actually the same – neither of us had McCarr, uh one last year, but it was – so I listened to it back and, and, you know, maybe this is more of a discussion now, but uh, for McCarr later, but I had Hedman one and you had McAvoy one. And the biggest reason is we just want to see McCarr do it another year. And I, Hedman was coming off the back-to-back cup run where he looked injured all of last year in the regular season. And then just casually put up 26 minutes a night again. In the cup run. So. It, could drop it. Yeah, exactly. Right. It was kind of like the, I could drop one again this year too. It's like, I just don't care how many minutes he plays in the regular season. If he's going to be well over point per game in the uh, playoffs or in Hemman's case, play 26 minutes against the top competition and shut everyone down to get to a Stanley Cup final, he's going to be top three for me. Exactly. And that's where he was this year. And I I think there's an argument for him to be too, but also, I don't know, because I, I struggle. A lot of people, I don't really put into the belief that they're not trying very hard every game except for Tampa players. (laughs) That is fair. Like, and he he was still so good this year for a guy who probably didn't put his entire effort in every game, which is just gross to think about. But, like, I, I just think if you switched Hedman and McAvoy, like McAvoy wouldn't have worse results than Hedman, would he? Not they play a different games. It, it's hard to say because they, they play different games, right? Like, Hedman does play, like, a, a heavy style game for how good he is at moving the puck. But, like, I just think, like, all of... Like, McAvoy's point totals would explode. Well, that's the, the thing,
1: line. right?
0: If the only
1: reason... Because there's... Micah's model has McAvoy's the best five-on-five play-driving defenseman in the league. And I believe so does Evolving hockey. He is probably the best play-driver in the league but Hedman will outscore him to high hell because of the power play. And he, I do believe he is legitimately better on the power play, but the question is how much of credit do you want to put, give to a guy for being the defenseman on Tampa Bay's power play? Is that worth the trade-off to
0: you? I don't think it's worth it. No, not, and then like...
1: Even though it is valuable.
0: valuable. Yes, exactly. I don't think it's quite worth it to the degree. And again, like if you want to argue it is... Like, he did double him up almost in points this year. And yeah. it's not like is a slouch defensively or anything like that.
1: No, it's just McAvoy's So
0: good. 5 5
1: like, Defensively, yeah.
0: Like, so good. Everything he does is amazing.
1: And every model loves him, too. Because the pushback McAvoy, I guess, is that he plays with uh, Bergeron. But this is another one where it applies. The Bruins are like a hundred and something point team last year, and everyone acknowledges they only have four good players. Mm-hmm. Of course, those four players are crazy high on these lists.
0: Yep. Which they is only have
1: pretty, one good defenseman. Of course, he's fantastic, right?
0: Yeah, which is also why I can never figure out why Boston's power play is so bad.
1: It is pretty weird, eh?
0: Like, you would think of power play with Bergeron, Pasternak, Marchand, Hall, and then McAvoy. Would be unreal, It'd be ridiculous. Because, like, even like say what you want about Hall at five on five, he's still got a good shot.
1: Yep. Yeah, and you've got Pasternak should open so much space for people because you're talking a top three to five shooter in the entire league. Like you're thinking
0: everything's there. Yeah, like Marchand is going to be working the net front, and like Bergeron's a great passer as well. Like. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it, it's always confused me why why. Boston's has never been better, but yeah. Like,
1: Marshawn's a great shooter too. Him yeah, exactly. And, yeah, even like, to put him on the half wall opposite yeah. Pasternak, yeah, it's kind of weird.
0: So um, yeah, that, that's the one. At this point with McAvoy, I think that's the one very clear pushback on him where it's like, you know, it still hasn't been his fault though because the more ice time he's gotten, the better his points per game have what? But yeah, like, they went was, there, way up this year. There was a point in his career because, like, I was gonna say, like, he hasn't ever had like the big point totals, but there was just a point in the career where they're like, "No, you're not getting any power play one unit time." And it's like, okay, like, if this is what you want, I guess, because they had Tori Krug and and Chara would play net front, right? But like, it's just like everything suggested he deserves more of a chance, and sure enough, he's got it. He goes from thirty points in fifty or thirty two points in sixty seven games to. 56 points in 78 games and 30 and 51 in between that like
1: exactly and it makes sense that they go way up it, it reminds me of again the football thing where it's like you just got to find a way to get your best players on the field yep again they only have four good players Play played the shit out of them
0: yep exactly and again like it's yeah it shouldn't be a surprise where it's like oh they have four good players well this guy ranks two um on the wingers list it was three and four for Marchand and. 11 and nine for Pasternak, And on the center's list, it was uh, six and 10. Like that shouldn't shock anyone that, yeah, you only have four good players and they're all top 10 in exactly. their respective categories. So <laughs> they um, have to be. Yeah. And then, yeah, for headman, like, it just kind of feels like there's not a ton to say about him. Right. Like I know this, we just kind of took the headman thing and talked about Mac for, I'm assuming you have know, the two. Yeah. Um, like for him, he's just been so good for so long. Like what what's there to talk about?
1: He's uh he's fifth in expected goals above replacement over the past three seasons despite playing an entire season hurt.
0: Yeah, like he's fourth in goals above replacement despite the same thing. Crazy. It just gross. It's disgusting.
1: Yeah, there was uh was a tweet about is Victor Hedman a Hall of Famer as like a debate thing. It was like I think that might be the stupidest one I've ever seen. Of course he is.
0: He's the first ballot.
1: Yeah, he won a, or he got. He's got he got third. He came third in Norris voting when he clearly was hurt. His yeah. reputation is that good. He'll be fine.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Like he's got a, like he's got a silver Olympic medal yeah, in 2014. Right. Cups. When, yeah, a couple yeah, and yeah, two cups. A con Smythe. On top of one of those runs, a Norris trophy, he's been top three for, like, four other years. Like, yeah, of course he is.
1: Yeah, he was one and two with Carlson forever ago, it feels like, and he's still there.
0: Exactly, yeah. And then even, like, years like last year, he's been so good for so long, people just auto-write him into the third spot. Yep. When it was, like, Fox and McCar and then him, even though he sucks, for like, like, <laughs> relatively speaking, obviously. But, yeah, like, and again, like, you know, we talk about, like, how gross McCar season was point-wise. Victor Admin casually threw up 85 points in 82 games this year.
1: Yeah. I didn't know that.
0: <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah, how, how gross is that? And then like, for everyone claiming like, Oh, like his power play offense is what drives him. It's like, yeah, he, like, he was really good on the power play offense, 7.7 7 for goals above replacement. But he also had 15.5 at even strength and all of his other numbers, shorthanded defense, even strength defense, penalty take, and penalty draw was all positive as well. He's like, the only player I can see on this list that's true. Cause even Kale McCarr had a negative 0.5 shorthanded defense.
1: For sure. And for those wondering, uh, replacement level players are actually quite good at killing penalties. So it's probably not as bad as it sounds,
0: but still. Yes, exactly. Like you don't you probably don't need Kale McCarr blocking or Victor Henman blocking a ton of shots out there in game sixty-two of the regular season. Exactly. That's highly unnecessary. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, like Victor, Hammond, just absolutely amazing player again. Like he has the talent to be number one. I think any of these four have the talent to be number one in any given season. For sure. Uh, Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, so number, number one, this shouldn't shock anyone. I honestly, I think if you're doing this list, and you don't have him one, you're doing it wrong. Um, at this point, like it's, this has been the most undisputed one since I've seen some It's characters. This is ridiculous. He's, He's
1: more of a one than McDavid is at his position.
0: Yes, I I fully agree. And like, you know, people are going to get mad about that, but like, yes, one hundred percent. Yeah, like, not Even like in goaltending, it's like Vasilevsky is Hellebuck, right? Like, or you know, some people might even have Hellebuck one.
1: Exactly, Whereas and like, all the wingers. There's like a whole bunch of them.
0: Yeah, but exactly. Carr one like...
1: is so easy.
0: Yeah, like you're just you're doing defenseless wrong if you don't have Makar one at this point in like after the past three seasons we've seen for them.
1: If you're starting a franchise, you have five years to win a cup. You could pick anyone in the league. Where do you pick Makar?
0: Con- current contracts included?
1: Uh, we'll say contract agnostic and then I'll change it. You have three years to win a cup. You pick
0: whoever. So, current contract, but three years.
1: No, agnostic. Oh, so, you pick the oh, no, no, first, like, you got to pay him $10 million or whatever. Okay. You pick him first kind of thing.
0: Uh, probably third?
1: I was going to say, I think you pick him before McKinnon.
0: Yeah, I think so. Maybe, like, it depends how heavily... Maybe, like, fifth, if you want to say, like, Hellebuck or vasilevsky I was thinking just skaters, to be I fair. I was
1: thinking skaters, too. I but, probably wouldn't go there with a goalie just because of the uncertainty.
0: Yeah, but McDavid and Matthews are the only two I would have over it, I think.
1: I agree. And it's crazy for a defenseman to be... Again, the last defenseman who was maybe top three player in hockey was Pekka Carlson.
0: Yeah. Like, he is just so disgusting. And I
1: mean, he's...
0: There's almost nothing to break down because he does every. He's another guy where it's like he's so good offensively. You just assume he's probably really like like not great defensively. No, he's like good defensively as well.
1: He's I always say McAvoy best play driver at Evans. P- Picard's still like top five, but also has this like the offensive upside is just so stupid. so much higher. Yeah, yeah, like almost never before seen like, once in a generation. Again, Eric Carlson, the last comparable to have that on offense. The even wins. Carlson's defensive numbers were kind of bad sometimes.
0: Yeah, like Carlson struggled with defense until like 2015-ish. And then he got like, I think mean, even then he wasn't like, I don't think he was ever as good as McCar's last year.
1: No, Macar's or uh, Carlson's thing was he got them to average. And that's when he was like a yeah. top
0: three player in hockey. And, and granted, the teams Carlson played along were a lot worse than the teams that McCar was playing with. Like, they needed him to cheat a lot more than he have to. People equate Carlson's McCarr, or uh, sorry, people equate uh, the Carlson partner McCarr and Taves to Mark McThought. And that, that should <laughs> that probably tell you all you need to, need to know about how good his partners were. But yes, like Makar is the closest thing we've seen since peak air crossing.
1: Yeah. And it's he not, very much could be better. Cause he's so young.
0: Yeah. Like that's the thing. It's like, and you know, like he just, he plays a game where it's like, you can see this last thing for six or seven years. Cause hey, his foot speed is obviously a massive part of what he does, but his vision and hands are so good too, that, even like if he gets older in his late twenties, early thirties, if his foot speed dips a little bit, you know, he's still so smart, but he's going to be an effective player for such a long time.
1: That's what I was going to say too. He is like Marner's hands and like shiftiness
0: in a defense. Oh yeah. The amount of highlight reels of him just absolutely turn styling someone in the neutral zone. It's just disgusting. Yeah. Cause he's, cause he's not a big guy
1: and he's got the, the right-handed shot or whatever. He, He's actually quite short, especially for defense. He reminds me a lot of Marner in the offensive zone, which is ridiculous for a defenseman who's also good at defense. Yeah, exactly.
0: So, um, yeah, I, again, pretty pretty easy number one there. Um, I think that wraps it up. That's a pretty good list. Uh, I can go through the list real quick, even though, actually, maybe I can't. I just closed it. Uh, actually, no, there we go. Thank God for, say, for whatever reason, I can't close Zoom when it's recording. Uh, anyways, all right. Here's the list. I had Makar one, McAvoy two, Hedman, Fox, Taves, Yossi, Tanner, Slavin, Ekblad, Weger rounds out my top 10. I go Spurgeon, Pellic, Shabbat, Hamilton, Pulak, Theodore, Heiskinen, Shillington, Carlson, John Carlson, that is, and Morgan Riley as the top 20. You have Makar, McAvoy, Hedman, Fox, Taves, so the same top five, Uh Ekblad, Spurgeon, Yossi, Pellic, Heiskanen uh, as your top 10, and then Hamilton, Theodore, Petrangelo, Weger, Slavin, Carlson, Pulak, Latang, Tanev, Wierenski as the top 20. A um, couple names here that quickly before we, we – and this is a long podcast, so I just want to touch on them real quick. Ryan Ellis is a name I had way up at six last year. You didn't have him on the list because you were worried about his injuries. You were completely right. He only played four games this year. Just unfortunate to see. Um, other guys who dropped way down, Jake Muzzin, again, really hurt this year, struggling when he did play. Mark Giordano, we both still had up in UNM 14, item 13. I couldn't realistically put a guy who's about to play third pair of minutes on the mm-hmm. Toronto Maple Leafs all year as a top 20 guy, even though his rate numbers will probably be as of that. Yeah.
1: He was actually quite good last year.
0: Yeah. But, he was good, yeah. but he's just like, and he's aging and yeah, all that. And he's 39 now. Right. So, um, yeah, those are the, the really big guys I want to touch on quick, but, uh, um, thank you everyone so much for listening. As always, you can check out Chase's Stuff at ActionNetwork.com. Myself on Last Word at Hockey.com. Chase on Twitter at TMHockey66. And myself at NHL Sends and Stuff. Um, as always, you can find, listen to my other podcasts as well. Uh, the Last Word on sense podcast, wherever you're listening to this one. And we thank you all so much for listening. We'll be back at you next week with the top 20 cool 10 next